everybody, and welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and this time I'll be reading from my novel slash semi-autobiographical memoir, I'm Just Making It Up As I Go Along, and Things Have Not Been Working Out As Well As I Intended, Chapter 7475. So, this story, one of my many stories, is about my experiences at and following my favorite Grateful Dead show at the Nassau Coliseum on Halloween 1979. Yes, I know, a gay deadhead. I love them and always will. Been to 108 shows including the Jerry Garcia Band, Bobby and the Midnights, and a Hell's Angels benefit at the Palladium on 14th Street, where I ate 186 hits of acid at once when I was yelling out that I needed speed right in front of the Palladium at the Hell's Angels benefit, where I later had difficulty with spatial relations and dimensions while involved in a prolonged, annoying, on my part, interchange with a huge man-mountain, leather-vested, bandana-wearing, bearded biker who repeatedly warned me to stay away from the very long row of motorcycles parked on 14th Street in front of the Palladium. And he was holding in his hand a can of Tab, the Diet Cola soda, that kept on shrinking in his hand. And as I stared at it, a guy walked up to me and said, Hey man, shut the fuck up! And handed me a sheet of 200 hits of acid with 14 pieces of acid torn off. And I ate the remaining 186 right there, saying, and I quote myself, Yeah, good my friend who was with me looked at me and said, dude, I have never seen anyone eat that much acid at once in my life. Well, there you go. This all occurred after I returned from me quite skittishly attempting to ditch my friends while I was wearing a jacket and tie and attempted to gain admission to the St. Mark's Baths while heavily intoxicated, which was something I thought I could get a pass on since I thought I was in better condition than I was, but I was not. And I do recall being a bit on the tense side on prior visits to the St. Mark's Baths because it was so popular at that time that you had to stand on a line that stretched outside of the entrance and onto a stairway, and then the sidewalk leading up to the building to check in. And on more than one occasion, drunken or intoxicated gay men were refused entry because they did not allow, obviously, drunken or intoxicated men into the baths. Oomph.
I was always terrified of the idea that at that very moment, while I was standing on the steps, usually next to or near at least one out gay man who was rather boisterous and eager to make his way inside and was either unconsciously or purposefully attracting attention to themselves or himself by exclaiming something to the queue of men about the wait to get inside or the altered state of one of the guys who was being refused admittance and then would make a joke, often using the epithet Mary, about the high guy, which most of us were politely uncomfortable with since in those days many of us were still closeted and a bit on edge with anxiety about being attacked by straight gay bashing bullies, unlike today where everything is so cool. I can't believe laws are being enacted to stop us from living our lives on the flimsiest pretenses. Anyway, this was decades ago when it was the practice to beat up queers for many boys and men. I was terrified of the prospect that someone I knew would just so happen to be walking along St. Mark's Place and spot me standing online to get in to a gay bathhouse and my cover would be blown forever. But of course, that never happened. The chance of it happening was close to nil. Of course, it was nil. Anyway, I am one of many gay deadheads, I assume, without citation, but I am. My favorite Grateful Dead experience was on Easter 1982 at the Nassau Coliseum. Just before the show started, I was standing in the loge a few rows from the balcony over the floor and was in direct line of sight to Jerry Garcia as he came out on stage. Now, before I go any further, I must say that I assert all of these stories as the truth and that most, if not all, of any corroborating or disputing witnesses are either dead, and by that I do not mean the members of the band, but no longer living, or they are in prison, or have been miraculously saved by Jesus, or just vanished into the ether. So you're going to have to take my word for it. Anyway, I am in direct line of eyesight with Jerry Garcia, and he looks directly into my eyes, aims his guitar, which may or may not have been the legendarily famous alligator, and plays the intro opening notes of Half Step Mississippi Uptown Toodaloo right at me. All of the other guys standing nearby tap me and or slightly slap me on the shoulder and yell, dude, to reinforce what I already knew and was experiencing. I was golden for about an hour. But that was 1982, back to Halloween 1979. In 1979, I weighed somewhere between 108 and 125 pounds or so. I was closeted and cute. I had numerous issues. I was either in the incipient stages of awareness, recognition of, but still had not resolved most of them. And they are and have been eating their way at my insides since then. Those are other stories for other occasions. 
and many of them are defining. So, of course, I really dislike the idea of confronting them in any light, like most people, even though I occasionally peek at a scant few of said issues and recoil in terror at my own depravity, weakness, and lack of character and wherewithal, among other unflattering attributes. I was attending a major university in New York City, the campus of which was located in the Bronx. I did not turn out to be a successful student, and there are many peripheral factors that came into play which affected my experience, and they are mostly for another time, except for my usage of LSD. I was living in the dorms up there. My friends from Long Island somehow got tickets to the Grateful Dead show at the Nassau Coliseum on Halloween 1979. As best as I can remember, I took the Metro North, then referred to as Conrail, to Grand Central, then the shuttle to Times Square, then the one train down to Penn Station, then the Long Island Railroad to West Hempstead and met my friends. We dosed, smoked weed, and rode to the Coliseum. The show was particularly memorable for a number of reasons. For one, we were able to freely roam around the Coliseum and witnessed a few things that stood out in our experience that night and the boys playing Shakedown Street were highlights. A a roadie or a stagehand seemed to have temporarily accidentally unplugged a band member from the sound system for a second or two there and replugged him in after what appeared to be a scolding. We witnessed this from the nosebleed seats as we were able to see behind the stacks of speakers on the stage. By then, we had already been, as is popular to say these days among certain subcultures, tripping balls. We then witnessed a rather odd fellow, I assume he was also tripping balls, assault and repeatedly for what seemed like a prolonged amount of time bang a large spotlight on a heavy swivel base at the top of the arena until he smashed it open in the back, whereupon this odd fellow opened the cracked back of the spotlight and stuffed it with refuse he had gathered and then set it on fire. We decided to leave the vicinity at the same time security personnel arrived to apprehend the odd fellow. Somehow, The concert ended, and I was dropped off at the Mineola Long Island Railroad Station. My little 108 to 125 pound white boy tripping ball self, and I was cute on Halloween night. It had been a lot of fun, and I was high as a kite. Seeing things through a particularly eccentric lens. At this point, my sense of objectivity might have been skewed. I don't recall how popular or unpopular I was on the train ride to Penn Station. Just as an aside, I detest self-pity, and from my own personal experience, nobody likes a crybaby. Keep that in mind as I continue. I will bring it up from time to time. Perhaps not in this chapter, but I will. It was a hallucinogenic experience disembarking from the LIRR train entering Penn Station and making my way up to the number one train, then to the Times Square Grand Central shuttle, 
after midnight on Halloween 1979 while I weighed between 108 and 125 pounds and was tripping balls and closeted and cute. After an extremely memorable experience at the Grateful Dead concert, alone, I realized I was penniless but had my return fare on the round-trip Conrail ticket to the Webster Avenue stop at Webster Avenue and Fordham Road. Alas, I arrived too late to embark on the last train heading north from Grand Central for the night. In those days, the trains stopped running at, I think, 1239 or so, possibly. I'm not sure, but I did arrive in Grand Central and found out that I could not ride Conrail to Webster Avenue until the morning. Now, as another aside, all of my friends and sweetmates were busy enjoying Halloween on and off campus of the major metropolitan university I was attending. I was nowhere near them. I was wandering around Grand Central and disappointed that I missed the last train. I wandered back to the subway entrance and the token booth clerk took pity on me, speaking through the microphone to say that it was all right and that he remembered me and I could enter the subway without paying a fare. I thanked him as any closeted, adorably cute, 108 to 125 pound white boy tripping balls after experiencing a Grateful Dead concert and finding out that he missed the last Conrail train to Webster Avenue and Fordham Road for the evening wood. I made my way to the number four train, the elevated train that ran up Jerome Avenue so that I could ride to Fordham Road and Jerome Avenue through the South Bronx on Halloween, closeted, weighing 108 to 125 pounds and tripping balls and cute. The train was crowded for late Halloween night. I was relieved that I was able to ride the train and looked forward to making my way to my dorm, although the walk from Jerome Avenue was a bit more of a stretch of the legs than, say, from the D train, which stopped at the Grand Concourse and Fordham Road. A bit. On Halloween night in 1979, in the South Bronx, while I was closeted, adorably cute, weighed between 108 and 125 pounds, tripping balls, and did not take notice of my popularity on the train. My awareness was soon awoken. At one point, I realized that I was less popular than I had assumed. Me! 108 to 125 pound, adorably cute, closeted white boy all alone on the number four train in the South Bronx on Halloween night. Late. Well, after 1 a.m. Tripping balls. Closeted. And adorably cute. I was high. I loved getting high then. I, at the time, felt that it was such a great, liberating experience to detach from the shackles of a life I did not want to live, surrounded by people who were devoid of insight into my true nature and innate abilities, charisma, and charm. I could sail off into a different horizon while zoning out on wicked space jams from acid rock music. Once I began actively participating in the early 80s gay culture while still closeted, which was not uncommon at the time, I might add, I was able to further distract myself from my own failings by immersing myself into a demimonde 
of sex and drugs of which I was completely incapable of grasping in its fullness and frequent atrocity, but but I was frequently detached from reality, nude, and in rooms full of, and as I recall, mostly incredibly attractive, willing, horny, and naked guys my age or so. Well, that was incredibly pleasurable for the while it lasted. And I ran right back into the closet, although I wasn't fooling anyone. It was pathetic. Opportunities to stretch my little wings never came, and if they did, I was my own then, and still am, my worst enemy. I internally complain about the lack of vision, yet have displayed virtually none of my own, and possess a haughty lack of insight into myself, and am lazy, unmotivated, indifferent, question my ethics, honesty, and intensely disliked and still dislike having my character assessed, mostly because the assessments were and are not flattering. I found that you actually have to put all the stuff you want people to think of you out there instead of letting it percolate inside you and keep going until you get it right, even if you make terrible, terrible choices, many of them unforgivable and many more disappointing to those who place their trust and faith in you. I deeply apologize to everyone and will continue to do so, especially those whose trust I've betrayed. I am an idiot and cannot see the trees for the forest or the forest for the tree. Either way, I am a poor example to follow. It's terrible being a failure and knowing it. Stuff like this crossed my mind and caused a bit of out-of-context introspection while I was tripping balls and adorably cute. But back to the number four train late on Halloween night in the South Bronx in 1979 while I was between 108 and 125 pounds, closeted, tripping balls, adorably cute, and utterly alone on a crowded number four train to Jerome Avenue and Fordham Road. I was sitting, staring with my pupils dilated and keeping to myself. I was in the short seat section closest to the car doors opposite the trainman's closet. I was attempting to weigh my relative popularity on that ride. None of the usual signifiers were clicking. I somehow did not feel popular. To be honest, I did not exactly feel all that popular anywhere, but in this particular instance, my usual false bravado was somewhat shaken. Me! Somewhere between 108 and 125 pounds, closeted, tripping balls, and cute as hell! I like to add that modifier because I was. Looking out the window, on the door to my right, I could see a few flickers of the flames from trash can fires below on the rubble-strewn streets, but I wasn't about to stand up to try to get a closer look. I already knew what the South Bronx looked like in 1979. Somehow, late Halloween night 1979 did not exactly pique my curiosity. To say that I was indignant about being less popular than I would be during a daytime ride on that very train while working as a law clerk for a law firm during the summer was a misstatement. I was somewhat concerned. I started to feel that perhaps my presence on that increasingly crowded number four train 
late Halloween night in 1979 while being a cute, closeted, somewhere between 108 and 125 pound tripping balls college student was not a welcome presence. I began to feel less popular than I was in high school, which, believe me, was no mean feat. I suddenly thought to myself, I'm about to be killed. Me, a cute, closeted, 108 to 125 pound college student tripping balls on the way back to his dorm after an incredible Grateful Dead concert at the Nassau Coliseum on Halloween night in the South Bronx in 1979. Me! The sudden wave of claustrophobic panic set in. I saw no friendly faces. I was in no position to regale my fellow riders about Shakedown Street. It struck me that most of my fellow riders were not particularly interested in hearing about my experience tripping balls at a Grateful Dead concert. Me, a cute, closeted, 108 to 125 pound, closeted male college student tripping balls on the way back to his dorm after an incredible Grateful Dead concert at the Nassau Coliseum on Halloween night in the South Bronx in 1979. Me, by the way. I had experienced Grateful Dead shows on Labor Day, Easter, Halloween, and Valentine's Day with the Jerry Garcia Band at the Calderon Theater in Hempstead. Such special occasions. Just an aside. As I was sitting there, other passengers came closer and closer and closer to me, staring me down with less than welcoming expressions on their faces. On Halloween night in 1979, after an incredible Grateful Dead concert at the Nassau Coliseum. On Halloween night. In the South Bronx. In 1979. Me! I was just about out of time. Me! An adorably cute, 108 to 125 pound closeted tripping balls college student. Suddenly, and I swear this is true, I heard a fanfare of trumpets. The car door opened to my left, and two guardian angels stepped inside. Those two gentlemen immediately took notice of my predicament. They flanked me and stood on either side of me as I sat there, moistened in my own perspiration. One of the two guardian angels leaned over and quietly said to me, We can't leave with you, but my advice to you is that when we get to your stop, run. I took his advice. I don't know if you have ever seen any of the old, old original Popeye cartoons where Olive Oil runs and her legs swing over her head, but I did exactly that as I got off the train. The turnstile was like the turnstile in the Michael Jackson Bad video, waist high and a sluggish thick affair. I leapt over it with ease. I ran down the stairs of the elevated platform on Jerome Avenue and Fordham Road, which is actually US-1, by the way. Then it becomes Pelham Parkway once you cross Southern Boulevard and you are on either side of the Bronx Botanical Garden and the Bronx Zoo, and you cross the Bronx River Parkway, just as an FYI. And I kept running. I ran right past the Grand Concourse and Alexander's Department Store. I ran past the Crazy Eddie's location on Fordham Road, right past the McDonald's, all of which were, of course, closed. 
I ran right past Clark's bar. Well, I slowed down to think of going inside, but then remembered that I was penniless and kept running until I got to the Webster Avenue gate at Fordham Road and slunk to my dorm room. Nobody was around or awake to hear the tale of the concert and my experience on the train and acid. As an epilogue, I did manage to visit the nearby Bronx Zoo over 200 times, almost all of them while being adorably cute, between 108 and 125 pounds and tripping balls. That is another story. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. Thank you.